This is Tom's conversation with resident philosopher Professor Craig Aguil that took place inside the Popsy tent on a sidewalk outside Philadelphia City Hall in August 2017. One of the things that I love doing is implementing art into any lesson that I teach. Uh, for example, I teach a lesson about uh, a book. It's called The Goat and the Rug. Okay. And it takes place from the, from the point of view of this goat. And... Uh, the goat gets sheared in the beginning by a Navajo um, uh, woman who is about to make, make a rug. A rug. Yeah. And the goat is there watching her as she cleans the rug and dyes the rug with special kinds of dyes and then makes the rug. And that every single rug is different. That there's no rug the same, but they're, they're, they're geometric right. patterns. And it's, it's remarkable. But while I'm reading them this book, they're supposed to be comprehending what's going on. Uh, they're supposed to be comprehending point of view. They're supposed to be comprehending uh, what, why the goat is saying what it's saying because it doesn't exactly know what is going on. Like it's almost like a child watching art. Right. Uh, but while I'm doing this, I have them uh, making their own rugs with yarn. Ah. They're weaving their own rug, and they can see what weaving is and what it does like firsthand while I'm doing this, while I'm reading the story. Right. It's, I think, probably, it, last year, certainly, the most successful lesson that I did. And it's because I implemented art into my learning. Right. Art is this pathway of learning that is being overlooked massively. There's a, a group of educators named Young Audiences that I'm a part of that tries to implement art, that they try and get art into every single curriculum that they can. Mm -hmm. because it's an avenue of, of learning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was talking to someone earlier, and we were talking about the idea that art is sort of like the sugar in the medicine. Mm -hmm. You know, like it's a, a movie about World War II. People are going to watch. and you know, Right. Uh, it's, it's welcoming. It's familiar. Uh, it's loved. Uh, Oscar Wilde said that uh, you can't love a useless thing, right. and all art is useless. Right. And you can love a useless thing. Right, right. And and so that I, I, I like the, the sentiment of that. I don't know if I, I completely buy it, but I love the sentiment of that that art is useless because you can love it. That you, you know it's it's this thing that everybody can relate to. Even right. even the most uneducated or the most uncivilized people can look at a piece of art and be moved, and, and, and be moved by it. Right, sure. Because it elicits emotion. So uh, I always see it like the, the, the pathways of, of, um, of education, the, path, the pathways the, um, that you have to do to, in order to reach people, art is overlooked. The town of Juneau, or the city of Juneau in, in Alaska, mm -hmm. you can't, during certain parts of the year, you can't get to it in certain ways. Right, right. And so I, I remember somebody, when, during this, one of these young audiences, uh, professional developments that I went to, they were talking about the town of Juneau, how in the winter it's impassable. Like you have to, you can only get there one way, and if that one way is down, you can't You're get done. there. Yeah. And that's so. Think of that town of Juneau as a student, and that the way that you're teaching them are these pathways to this town. And the, all the other pathways are impassable except for that one way. Right, right, right. And if you t have taken that one way, which is art. If you're taking that one way away, then that student is not going to learn. They're no longer accessible. Right. Yeah. And so it's this, 
it's a way to include everyone in the lesson. So this year, when I'm making my curriculum for my kindergartners coming in, I'm trying to implement art into math. Yeah. Paint me the number six. Yeah. And they might be able to get that. They might be able to, or, or like, show two plus seven in a drawing. Right, try, right. try that. Yeah. And some of the students are like, I don't, I don't understand what you're trying to do, but some of the students that aren't getting two plus seven might be able to get that. They're the Junos of this situation. Yeah. So that's what I'm going to try and do. Sometimes I feel like when you were talking about the, the 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 person who feels moved even though they're not maybe super sophisticated or whatever. Sometimes I think of artists. It's not just another route, you know. It's not just because you know maybe some kids learn by memorization and some kids learn by observation and some kids learn by art and that's true. But then art also seems to be like it's not just a different way to learn stuff. Like it's something. The transcends? Yeah. Well, I would say that art encompasses all of what you just said. So, in, in classical education, we can get the observation, we can get the memorization, because we understand that you can quantify that. Art is not quantifiable, but it is, it, it transcends quantifiability. So the, the students that don't learn from, uh, from observation, don't learn from memorization, they're stuck. Right. But when you include art there, you include all those students who aren't included in the other classical ways that we can quantify and qualify the, uh, uh, the data. Right. So I, I have students that I know when I'm looking at them, I'm watching them, I'm listening to them, and I go, I know you're intelligent, and these tests that I have you go through, you fail because they don't take into account your they abilities. They don't meet you where you are. They don't meet you where you are. They they meet you where they think you should be, even though that's not right. I'm very against standardized testing. I think that that's apparent right now. But um, uh, I had a student... Kids aren't standardized. The quote is attributed to uh, Albert Einstein. I don't, I don't know if he ever said it. It sounds a little too nuanced for an Albert Einstein, but when he said, if you... If the test is to climb a tree and you ask a fish to climb a tree, that fish will fail. Right, right, right. And so then, you know, that's that's that student. There's that, nothing wrong with the fish. There's nothing wrong with the fish. There's nothing the fish wrong is, with the test. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I know that um, uh, a lot of schools are ca are caught cheating on these tests. And that means then we're, we put more on the grades than we do on the learning. Right, right, and that's right. why schools are cheating, and because schools want that kind of They're money, because it's a, yeah, it's, a, yeah. it's a system that we set up. Right. Which I mean, like to me, I don't think there should be a first, second, third grade. I don't think that it, like grades should be there at all. I think there should be levels. If your reading level and your math level are here, that's where you should be learning. You shouldn't be forced to go to fourth or fifth grade right. if you are learning on a, or you are still on a second grade level. Right. So, and uh, I think that. If you implement art into every single curriculum, you're reaching those students who aren't learning that way. Why do you think art has been so neglected as a method or a pedagogical tool? Uh, I think that it's because you can't grade art. It's very subjective. Uh, you don't, you can't, um, you have a lot of people who can't do art in power or, or as a, you don't see a lot of art teachers who become principals. That's why it gets shoved to the side 
because it's a special. It's where kids go once a week or once a, once a semester, depending on the system. So that's why it gets shoved to the side because math scores and reading scores aren't easily graded. They're easily measured. And that's where the money is. It's, you know, that's where the, that's where the, I don't, I don't know, the, uh, those are the people who become, um, principals, the so art teachers, the, the, the decision uh, makers, the decision makers coming from our background. Right. And it becomes a, a, a it, it becomes a secondhand thing where all of a sudden they're like, oh, well, shoot, I forgot the, uh, the art teacher needs his schedule made. We have to shove that in, you know, so right. even though they know it's important, they forget about it. When you read books now, are you like on the lookout for yep. how can uh, how can how can I implement art into this read aloud? When we were talking about how you learn language and why children get it so much faster, there's a theory that you know that's when children are learning their their brains are like sponges, but also it's how we teach children is completely different than how we teach adults. Huh. And so. Uh, this one, one of the teachers who was much more experienced in teaching Japanese, he goes, I run a, uh, he, this man said I, that he ran a, uh, a lesson for adults. Where are the, the adults learning English the way that he taught children? And he goes, okay, touch the wall with the letter A. Touch the wall with the letter B. Touch the wall with the letter yeah. C. And he's like, those, those adults were like laughing, having fun, but also thought it was kind of ridiculous. But damn it, did they know what the letter A was? Right, right, And he's right. like, so there's... He's like, there's a physical element to learning as well. Like when when the children, the children that I was teaching, they were they were learning words, but they were also playing games at the same exact time. Then we we get to adults, and we're like, oh well, we'll take that away. Now you're, you're so adult, and you can just be serious. Yeah, just, you just be serious. Sit down. You're gonna teach. We're gonna learn this language. Uh, I haven't really thought about. You know, I don't incorporate art in my my lessons are college. So how would you how would you incorporate incorporate art? into philosophy, into a philosophy lesson. Think so, about like, yeah. So one thing that I have done uh, is uh, when you were telling the, the your stories about your own experience as a student, I, uh, I think it's very hard for students to write research papers. They find them very imposing. So I will often replace them with things like write a letter to someone where I'll say, uh, write a letter saying, hey, Tom, I recently read this Nietzsche, and I think it applies to us, and here's how. So it's, uh, I mean, it's a practical application of philosophical lessons. Where they don't have, they're not burdened with, let me, they're not burdened with the formality of a research paper, and they also get to like ease in by, you know, they get to write, dear Tom, how are you doing? All that, you know, stuff that they're more, I mean, I don't know that my students write very many letters anymore, but... Uh, so I've done a little of that, but I certainly haven't, nobody's made a rug in my class. I'm I, trying to think of how to in, implement that. Have you ever thought about two students, I mean, like, it wouldn't be like a research paper, but it would be some kind of presentation where the students had a text back and forth, philosophical ideas. Yeah. About like, hey, this happened last night, what do you think? And then philosophical ideas, but through text. So that's or Twitter. A, that no texting and twittering would be great. So um, you want to have 140 characters. Yeah. Explain. Take the take Socrates' Mino yeah. or whatever, <laughs> and like rewrite it. Explain in text. the cave. And yeah, translate it. Um, that would be fun. I will. Uh, uh, I'll have to. I'll have to think harder about how to get them active in those kinds of ways. But what I really liked about your example wasn't just that they made an art project, 
but there was like at the time of the at the time of the lesson so while you're presenting this philosophical lesson they are doing something uh, I remember in uh, like I talk about it was an art class mm -hmm. but it was kind of like that uh, I had an art teacher we were listening to Pink Floyd's Welcome to the Machine she placed she played it for grade, us in class I was in eighth grade That's she blasted great. it as well and she went I want you to paint a picture while you're listening to this and she's like I'm going to play it like three times and so like the first time you're going to absorb it the next time you're going to start your project and the third one you're going to finish your project and I remember being very like specific there's a machine and there's this boy and someone's welcoming to so I mean like but other people were like doing like really cool things more artistic I'm not very artistic I mean the more like and I remember that and I so like if you were like if you just read um, Plato's works yeah and said, draw a picture while I read this passage. Right, right. What do you see? What are you trying to tell you? And, it's, and that would be implementing art. Because doodle. Just doodle. What, yeah. what are you doodling? It doesn't have to be anything that makes sense, but what are you doodling? And then look at that. Why does that? What did you just do? Why does that relate to this? Does it Does it at all? Did you just doodle? Did you not pay attention? I mean, right, that doesn't matter. Right. Like, it, but that doesn't matter. Like, I, let's. You could do it for like a ten-minute thing in the beginning of your class. An exercise. Say, now you're just and it, you could do it like I'm, I'm not saying you should, but I don't know if it has any value either. But like for for at that age level and that developmental level and I mean, that it sounds like teaching level. English. It you know. Some it, of these things, yeah. So there's a there's a very because you might you might have ninety percent of your students go this is kind of dumb, and you might have ten percent of your students one student in there just to, that that for, once go oh my god I get it the Juno student the the, the Juno student who has everything ever, all the other pathways of education have failed and then they they're drawing that out and going oh my god I get it have you thought about doing any like vocal or lyrical like arts that are non uh, non-physical? Yes, absolutely. Uh, singing songs is a huge way for students to learn, sure, uh, sure. especially rhyming uh, is, a, is a big thing with poems and songs. Uh, chanting and, and um, uh, repeating uh, phrases is a big way for the kids to learn. So yes, oh, vocal vocalization of, of uh, learning is something that's constant in the kindergarten classroom. Even before I knew about the, the implementing art. Right, right. That's the easy That's the easy one. Yeah. 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 Making rocks it's, when it gets, is... when, it's when they get older when you're like, no, sit in your chair. No, you, you, you're going to be reading this book now. And sit, you know, like, that's when we lose the art in the classrooms. Right. But there are people that were in high school that were like, this is going to be hard to implement art into Shakespeare. And the woman was like, no, Shakespeare is art. Right. Like, you're, listen how to how you sing. Yeah. Like you're talking about a play. Yeah. Get up there and act it out. That's art. Yeah. You know, and and so like and and this English teacher who was in they're like, oh, like I would just have the students read it and like no, have them get up, explore the characters. They might not understand. My dad has a story about he goes he didn't understand Shakespeare until they he saw in high school a production of uh, Julius Caesar when he went. Oh, that's what it's supposed to be. And that was his pathway right, that finally was connected. In this Talk Popsy series on artist cognition, we've gone around and asked people who dip into our tent, what is it that art means to you? As a kindergarten teacher, Tom, in his conversation with resident philosopher, Professor 
Aguil, is giving his experiential account of incorporating art into the education of children. Resident philosopher Aguil describes art and education as the sugar in the medicine, and Tom counters with Oscar Wilde's quote that art is useless so you can love it. But neither one of the conversation partners really think art is useless, quite the opposite. And so the conversation yields another point. Art meets people where people are, instead of, like testing, meeting you where you should be. This idea that art meets people where they are is a fascinating idea. Perhaps it is the same that they thought of in the late 19th century and early 20th century in the American pragmatists, where they had the idea of art as experience. They were intensely focused on this, and it's only recently that philosophy has rediscovered this point of view. Embodied is actually now the word that's bantered around, and this conversation, while not using that word, certainly makes use of the concept. Our minds are not that separate from our bodies, and knowing is an activity that, in some significant situations, requires bodily experience. Tom talks about the conjunction of hearing a lesson and at the same time having the students make art, and about how students engage in ways that they can't when they are told just to sit in their desks and listen. Learning has traditionally been thought to be a non-physical thing, where cognition is separate from bodily responses, and especially separate from emotion. But this conversation seems to point away from that point of view. In this conversation, art functions cognitively, and it is therefore anything but useless. <laughs>